Hey, what's up, Church Online? I am so excited to introduce to you one of the men that has been one of the biggest influences in my life. He has been a father figure and my pastor for almost the last 20 years. In fact, he's still my pastor to this day. He has shaped me, molded me, spoken into me, challenged me, and is a big part of why I am who I am and doing what I'm doing. And so I'm so delighted to share with you my pastor and I'm sure you're gonna enjoy him. So give an online welcome, shout out, high fives, up top with the hands, the hand claps to my pastor. You can call him Hook. I have had a wonderful time here. I've been here uh, for the men's conference. How many of men are here that were at the conference? Let me hear you. All right. We had a wonderful time allowing God to challenge us and grow us. And I am so privileged to be here. Um, you guys have heard how Pastor Corey feels about me. But let me tell you something. I love that young man. He is, uh, has a special place in my heart. And... Uh, you guys are blessed, 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 blessed to have him as your lead pastor. I hope you know that. You guys are really blessed. But I'm glad to be here. Uh, I got to rush because Corey told me if I didn't get done by five tonight, that I wouldn't be preaching tomorrow. <laughs> what is that? But I want to introduce you to some people that are very special to me. Uh, this is my family, my wife. Yeah. Now, starting from the other end, from your right, that's my son in love, who's married to uh, my baby daughter, who's right next to him, and their little boy in between. And then there's me and my lovely wife. Listen to this 41 years. <laughs> 41 years of holy matrimony. <laughs> Behind my wife, Melba, is my son, Matt. He's here with me. He'll be here tomorrow. And in his arms is his number two daughter, his wife. And his number one daughter is down on the ground down there, little Titi. And then their son is right there in the middle. Pray for him. His name is Drayson. He's type 1 diabetic, and he gets his uh, service dog next weekend. We are so excited, excited for him. He's excited. It's going to be a great weekend. Then over to this side, your left, that's my daughter and her husband, the guy with the braids. That's her husband. And there are three kids. I have seven grandkids. All right, here we go, grand. Here we go, granddaddies. Listen to this. I have seven grandkids, 14, 13, 11 Eight, five, three, and three. Incredible. Incredible. And if you challenge me, I can give you their birthdays too. That's right. Very special group of people. But I'm glad to be here. Uh, thank God for my wife allowing me to come. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, if Corey shared it with you. If he did, he probably violated some HIPAA laws. But uh, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to get a new kidney. Uh, my kidneys failed me during COVID. I uh, had some kidney problems, got uh, COVID last December, 
and my kidneys went out. I'm on dialysis. I had to bring Big Bertha with me, which is my dialysis machine. I'm doing in-home dialysis. Anybody got questions about in-home dialysis, check me out. I can tell you it is a lifesaver. Been doing it now for since July, and I'm trying to get on the kidney list. I'm that close, and uh, hopefully for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, I will be blessed with a new kidney. So if you could pray with Hook about that, that would be wonderful. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about something that I believe is probably one of the most critical things in our walk as men and women of God. And if you're not there yet, if you're here and you're trying to discover this thing about God, you're in the right place tonight. Because what I want to talk about tonight is this thing called identity. Everyone say identity. identity. Now, these people, did you say it? Because I didn't hear anything from this side. <laughs> identity, who, who we are. And we're going to look at a passage here that gives us a stark contrast between who we are before we know Jesus and who we are after we know Jesus. And what I found with many Christians is we live feeble lives. We don't live up to the potential. We don't live up to what God has done in our lives because we don't realize how miserable and terrible we were before we met him. So if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to paint an ugly picture for you. And for those of us who've been there, you're going to say amen because that's exactly how it was for me. But then I'm going to give you an opportunity to see what it's like, the identity that we have when we're believers, what God has done for us. And then we'll be able to walk in the beauty and the holiness and, and be appreciative of each other because we realize the great things that God has done or wants to do in our lives, and we will be a better group of believers. We'll be better Christians because we realize who we are and what God has done for us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verses 1 through 6. Father, this is your time. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would work on me, work through me. God, work on the lives of each and every person who's hearing this now, who will hear it in the future. God, that your word, the power of your word would transform lives for the glory of Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone say amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Powerful scripture. And you were dead. 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 You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Do you see it? Do you see what it says? It did not say it was going pretty well for you. It doesn't say, man, you were living a great life. The Word of God says, I don't care how much money you got, I don't care what kind of family you got, I don't care what side of the world you were born on, I don't care what you think, outside of a relationship with the Creator of all mankind, you are dead. Dead, 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 dead. Dead. Separated from God. Alienated. His enemy. Lost. Angry. Bitter. Selfish. Disobedient. Unforgiving. Aimless. That's what dead means. If we're going to appreciate the beauty of salvation, we got to realize where we came from. And I find for many Christians, you, you don't appreciate Christianity. You don't appreciate what God did for you because you don't realize you were yeah. dead. Think about it. 
before we met Christ. And if you're here now, you're, you're in a position that the word of God says that you're dead, like a spiritual corpse. As a sinner, you're unable to make a single move toward God. See, see, we think dead people can say, well, I think I'll. No, dead people can't make choices. Dead people can't choose. Dead people can't tell you what they think. As far as God is concerned, outside of him, you're dead. You are not moving toward God. You can't because you're dead. Well, I think, I, man, when, uh, when, when, when it makes sense to me, then I'll accept. No, no, that's not the way it works. You're dead. What you need to realize is that you're dead. You don't get to choose when and how you move. You need to say, I'm dead. God, I realize that I'm dead. God, I realize that you're after me. God, I realize that you have more for me. You have better for me. But in my dead condition, I can't do it without you. You got to realize that you're dead. And in this passage, we're going to go and look at three influences that come to us as dead people. Verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Everyone say world. world. See, the world is against you. According to the prince of the power of the air, there's a guy, a demon, a spiritual force, that is against you, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Next verse. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of, this is why we're dead, and of the mind, and, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. See, there's three things there's three things that move against us. There's three influences to our faith. Let's look at that picture. There's three things that work against us. We have the world, we have the devil, and we have the flesh. If you are outside of God, these are the three forces that are against you. And you think you have choices. You think that you're in control. But what I'm here to tell you, according to the Word of God, that this world is against you. Let's talk about the world. Ephesians 2.1 says that, that we walked according to the course of this world. The world order is alienated against. Folks, I don't know if you know it, but everything in the world is against God. If you are living in the world, then you are, cannot please God. If you are living according to the world, you cannot please God. I don't think y'all hear me. <laughs> if the world is your home, if you, if you think this is a great place, you cannot please God because this is not what God intended for us. The, 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 the mores, the attitudes of this world are totally against God. Think about it. We're talking about identity. Watch this. I'm talking to you about your identity. Think about what's going on in the world today when it comes to people's identity. We are so confused.
And people in the world, according to the world, are letting the world tell them whether they're this, whether they're that, and if you don't like that, then you can be this. That's what the world says. It is all messed up. And the world will send any kind of message that would lead you away from God. I love what it says in 1 John 2.15. Do not love this world or the things it offers you. When it comes to money, think about how the world feels about money. We believe, God believes, the kingdom believes it's more blessed to Give than to receive. What's the world say? Build, man, get more, get more. Get all you can get. Build bigger houses, get more. That's the world. That's the world. What's the world tell, tell you? To ascend. You are not, you got to get better. You got to get better than everybody else. You got you to you go as high as you can go. And what's the word of God tell you? Die. <laughs> you, you, you see what I'm saying? The world sends out all these messages. And the thing is, listen, we are all brought up, we were raised in the world. Before we came to Christ, we all lived in the world. So these mores, these attitudes, these thoughts, they're in us because we've been taught by the world how to think. Then we come to God and we got to work out, man, this, this, is, this thing God's talking about, this kingdom thing is totally different than this world thing. The world is at odds with God. Don't love the world, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Do you see that? When you love this stuff, when you attach to this stuff, what's the world say? Man, if somebody hits you, someone messes over you, you better do your, my mama say, you better knock their head off. <laughs> never tell me somebody hit you and you didn't hit them back. What's the word of God says? Turn the other cheek. It's totally opposite. Folks, hear me. If you are in the world, you cannot please God. Point blank. There's no, there's no if, ands, maybes. Maybe I can dip a little bit in this. And then, no, no. If you accept the mores and the ways of the world, the humanistic system, the corrupt values, you cannot please God. Back to our picture. You got the world working against you. And then next, you got the devil. Now, if it's not enough that we were raised in the world that teaches us all the wrong things, we got the devil, and we got Beelzebub. We got the, we, we, we got, we got the, the serpent, the, the, the beguile, the, 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 the great liar, all the different names of, of Satan, the adversary, the dragon, the enemy, the tester, the wicked one. If it's not enough that the world has us convinced of something that's not true, we got the henchman, the devil, and all his serpents and all his creatures poking at us and telling us this is good, that you can do this, that this is okay. Don't pay attention to that guy stuff. Those people don't care nothing about you. You do what you want to do. Man, this is a free world. You deserve it. Nobody should be telling you how to live. Do what you want to do. He's just bullying us. The devil is against us. You cannot please God and please the devil. In Ephesians 2, 2, look at what it says. The prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. If you don't know Christ, there's a spirit at work against you and in you. And it's called Satan. 
There's a, there's a the demonic realm. It's not just enough that you don't care about the things of God. There's this demonic realm that the devil works in that causes us, that bullies us, and pushes us to do things that are so satanic, that are so diametrically opposed to what's right and what's good. And, and, and because we live in the world and because right now the devil is, is the prince of the world and what's going on in the world, we think it's okay. We've been convinced, blindsided, that this stuff that's going on is of God. This is not, this is the devil's work. I'm talking about your identity. I'm talking about understanding who you are. I'm talking about understanding what's going on in your life and why things seem to be going on the way they are. Because you're dead. And you're living in a world that's against God. And the leader of the world, Satan, is against everything that God stands for. I love 1 Peter 5, 8. Look at what it says. Stay alert. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. He's your enemy. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In the book of Genesis, Satan is pictured as a serpent. You remember that? And, and we get that picture because he's subtle and he whispers, you don't. You don't believe that. You don't care about them. They don't care about you. Do what you want to do. And then we get this picture here. It says, no, he's not just a serpent. He's a roaring lion. And the reason he gives us that picture is because a lion is fierce and he's strong. And sometimes we feel like we've been overtaken. I've heard unsaved people say, I don't have a choice. You don't. When you are living according to the prince and the power of the air, he will abuse you and use you, and you will feel totally helpless. That's your identity. He's your master. And like a puppet, he's just using you. Says he's a roaring lion, strength and power. But then he says roaring. Not just a lion, but a roaring lion. This is a picture of wild animals that, that, are, that are lascivious for, for food. And they just roar because they're looking for something to eat, for something to destroy. And that's the picture of you and me before we met Christ. Satan came about us like a roaring lion to destroy us. And you see it every day. You see people dying and being destroyed. And we sit back and say, how does this happen? How does a man kill his wife and kill his kids? Because Satan whispers and intimidates and pushes how can these kids walk in schools and, and kill numbers of people because of Satan and his demonic power upon people who don't know Jesus? Yeah. Folks, it's nothing strange. The Bible tells us that the world, the system of this world, and this guy right here will mess us up. He will put us in situations that we cannot win. Talking about your identity. Some people believe that they can deal with Satan in themselves, and you're fooling yourself. Not only do we have the world and the devil, but then there's the flesh. And this is so, so amazing because the flesh just loves the world and the devil. <laughs> it is amazing. Our flesh, the very nature of us, loves the stuff of the world. 
That's why this trilogy, these three things get along so well because our flesh craves it. We are are bent on evil. There's nothing good in us. And what the world offers us, it caters to our flesh. Evil, evil, evil. Ephesians 2, 3 says it's the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of flesh and of the mind. The devil knew us. The devil knew us. The devil knows us. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my flesh. He knows how to feed me stuff that's going to lead me the wrong direction. He knows how to make me to think about myself more highly than I ought. We hate doing stuff the right way. There's there's something in us that is adverse to doing the right thing. We normally, naturally, will not choose God, but we choose the world and we choose the things of the devil. Naturally, that's our inclination. We come with fleshly desires that were evil and against God. We sought out the world and the devil because they give us exactly what we want. They give us exactly what we want. There's a thing called original sin. And I know some of us, we might not believe that we are all born in sin. But I want to tell you something. Original sin is real. It's true. We, we were born corrupt, contrary to God. Some of you say, well, I don't believe that. You know what? I found that the people who don't believe in original sin are people who don't have children. Vipers and diapers. (laughs) These human beings are incredibly selfish, and they're mean, and they they stare you down, and, and they give you the look. Have you ever seen the look from these creatures? They can't even talk, and they look at you like they will just destroy you. You don't give me what I want, and you give it to me now. Now I said, now, and then they spin in the floor and all that kind of stuff if they don't get what they want. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. You've seen it. My God, and then we got a nerve to put them in a nursery where they're all together and there's a whole room full of them. And you tell them to do something and then they go into that, that plank position. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And we look at them and we say, oh, they're so cute. <laughs> so small and so cute. You know what I found? The reason they're cute is so we don't kill them. Because <laughs> if they were not cute, we'd just kill them. And the reason they're small is so they don't kill us. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about sin. That's the way we come. The flesh is a terrible thing. But folks, I don't want to leave you there because there's good news. Jesus came. Look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God, hallelujah. You got the flesh. You got the devil. You got the, the world and all that stuff working against you. But God. Come on now. 
come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care what people say. I don't care how you feel, but God. But God, but God, but God. Rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were acting the fool. We were dead. See, we were dead. We couldn't do anything but God. Even in our deathly condition, he loved us. Made us alive. Not just made us alive, but made us alive together with Jesus. By grace, you've been saved and raised us with him and seated us in heavenly places so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing richness of his grace and kindness toward us. For by grace, you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You've been saved. I've been saved. My identity is I am saved. It's not because of anything I did because I was a wretch. I was a messed up dude. I was in the world doing whatever the world told me to do. I was being intimidated by Satan, Beelzebub, and my lust, my lust had captivated me. But God, if you're in this room today and you're walking in Jesus, you've been set free from the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You need to be shouting every day, every day. Every day, every day, every day, you wake up, say, God, it's a new day in you. And I thank God that I'm alive. I thank God that I'm alive. I thank God that I'm alive. I thank God that I'm alive alive in you today. So what's the response? How How do we deal with this debauchery? this dead condition. What's, what's, what's this, this new radical metamorphosis that occurs that changes our behavior? Look at what he says here. We are not of the world, but we are of heavenly places. You see that? He made us, Ephesians 2, 6, and raised us up. God did in him and seated us in him. No longer are we of the world. We live in the world. We, we, we're here in the world, but we're not of the world. God didn't take us out of the world because he wants us to infect and affect the world. But we, we, we have mind of heavenly places. When we start thinking about where we live, we don't live according to the prince of the power of the air. We don't live according to the rules here. We live according to God's rules. We no longer walk according to the course of this world, but according to the life in Christ. We live in heavenly places where the privileges of heaven are dispensed every day. I live every day with the privileges of heaven. Some of you say, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. The very fact that you know if you took your last breath right now, the privilege of heaven says you're going to be in a moment. <laughs> so I don't fear death. That's a privilege. Because I'm, I'm of heavenly places. I, 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 I live with the privilege of knowing that, 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 that God loves you and that I should love you and, and that, that no matter what you say to me or about me, it doesn't stir me. I live in a world, I live in a world where black people and white people don't get along, but I'm of heavenly places. I'm, I, I, I'm of heavenly places, and I might be black, but I'm a Christian, <laughs> and, and I've been made alive, I've been made alive, so listen to me, listen to me, I don't care what white people say about me. I don't, because I love them. I, I love all white people. I think they're cute. I do. 
I do. When, when they say ugly stuff about me and about my people, it doesn't bother me because I know God created them like he created me. And they are under the power. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. And they're living according to the world. But we live according to heavenly places. Listen, if you're in here struggling racially, you need to get your act together. You need to get your act together now. Your identity is not in the color of your skin. Your identity is not... Your, I, hold it, hold it, hold it, because in a minute you're going to throw bottles at me. Your identity, your identity is not in what country you were born in. Your identity is not whether you wear red or blue. I'm talking to, to, to people who don't know who they are. I'm talking to Christians right now who act like they're still in the world because the world says you got to choose. <laughs> I don't have to choose nothing. I love Republicans like I love Democrats. I love people who don't vote. It's not me. That's, that, that, that's the world. That's the world. That's the way the world operates. And some of us, we put more value in the world system than in the heavenly system. Folks, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be the same. Come on now. Lord, help me. I better move on because I'll stay right here and I won't get to preach tomorrow. Not only do we live in heavenly places, but look at what he says in John 17, 14. I have given you them the world and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. God wants us here so we can reveal who he is. And this conflict that we're having between Democrats and Republicans and blacks and whites, he said, all this conflict is so that the cream will rise to the top. So that the love of Jesus Christ will rise to the top. And we just need to stop playing these foolish games, church, and realize who we are. We are not that. We act like we're in heavenly places. Not in the world. Not only are we against the world, but we are no longer ruled, ruled by the devil, but by God. Look at what it says, Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together. He made us alive together. No longer were we ruled by the devil and his lies and his dissensions. We are ruled by God. And every day he gives me life. He breathes life into me. Every day he reminds me of heavenly places that, that, that he's building a place for me, a mansion for me, and, and, that, and that my eternity is with him, with God the Father. Listen to this. In the Jewish tradition, the word father means provider and protector. If you look at the scriptures, before Jesus came, the Israelites didn't refer to him as father. They referred to him as God because they didn't understand the relationship. Jesus came and revealed not only is he God, but he's your father and he's provided for you and he's your protector. But you know what? That word father also means, it means identity. When you say this is my father, that means that you identify with him. Who's your father? Who's your father? Who's your father? Who do you identify with? Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us for forgetting who our daddy is. 
Scripture says that's when we cry, Abba, Father. Not only are we in heavenly places, not only do we have God, but then finally it says we're not ruled by our flesh. We are no longer ruled by the lust of our flesh. For we are his workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You and I were created by God to do some wonderful stuff. Not to be ruled and managed and dictated by our flesh. Every day I got to deal with hook. I got to deal with that stuff it needed. It is so nasty. But God created me to do good stuff. He created you. My identity is not in my failures. My identity is in my Father. Hear this. Some of you, you don't feel like you are anything because of your failures. You've given your failures the ability to paint your picture. That's a lie. You are not identified by your failures. You're identified by your father. And the lust of your flesh, those things that are contrary to God, that's exactly what they are, contrary to God. And God's trying to kill them every day. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.24, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, I want you to bow your heads. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Hooker, you have spoken to me. I am, I am ruled by the world. I'm dead. I'm dead and I know I'm dead. And I need a new father. I need the spirit of God in me. That's you. Can you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Hooker, that's me. God bless you. Someone else, let's, let's raise your hand and look at me. Raise your hand. God bless you. 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 I'm ruled by God bless you. 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 Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. You need to be saved. You need, you need to be made alive and you can't do it. And that's the great lie of the world and the devil is that you can just, oh, it'll pass. This thing that Pastor was talking about, it'll pass. Wait till you get outside. Just hold your breath. Don't raise your hand. No, it'll be okay. No, it won't be okay because you're dead. Christians are praying all across the room. Christians are praying. Christians are praying. Father, we're praying now for everyone that raised their hand. Whether they're saved or not, they're being ruled by this world. Father, set them free. Loose them in Jesus' name that they can walk into a full identity of their Father, that they can be loving, kind, pure, holy, set aside, that they would realize, that they would realize, that we would realize that we are your workmanship in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I pray no one leaves this room not knowing who you are. I pray no one walks out those doors not knowing which side you're on, whether you're being ruled by the devil and the world and your flesh or whether you're being ruled by the heavenly places, God, and the Spirit. And for those of us today who raise our hands, man, I am cheering for you. I am cheering, I'm cheering, I'm cheering. We're cheering for you. Because you know what? You know what? You know what? All of us were there. Every single stinking one of us was there. And it wasn't anything that we did. It was everything that he did. 
Before we close, can you just raise your hand with me? And let's just give Jesus. Lord, we love you. Come on, church. Let Raise your voices. Father, we love you. Thank you so Come on, y'all can do better than that. You, you, you sound like you're going to the beach or something. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your goodness.